Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for everyone. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action. What's going on in the NFL right now? The NFC East is a mess. Who's for real in the NFC? Is it Seattle? Is it Green Bay? Is it the Saints? The Rams this week had more turnovers than a bakery in an embarrassing loss to the Miami Dolphins. Taking a look at the AFC. Who is it? The Chiefs? The Steelers are still undefeated. Or the surprise team for me, the Buffalo Bills. Congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers and anybody that made some money on their first World Series championship in 32 years. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline your online sportsbook experts. The great Jackie Robinson said, a life is not important except for the impact it has on others. This week, the high school football community lost someone special to all of us. St. Francis head football coach Jim Bonds lost his battle with cancer. And although we mourn his tremendous loss, we want to reflect on the unbelievable impact he had on so many people. Jim was not only a tremendous football coach, but a teacher, father, husband, and person. I'm going to talk to several people on this podcast who will echo all of those characteristics by relating their experiences with Jim, either as a player, a coach, a friend, or an opposing coach. Joining me now is someone who has known Jim for many years as a coach, a colleague, and more importantly, a friend. Joining me, Dean Harrington, head football coach, Paraclete High School, Dean, thanks for taking the time, and what an awesome tribute that was to Jim on Saturday. Yes, it was. It was wonderful. It was, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of emotion, and, uh, a lot of humor. Um, I mean, it was uh, just a great tribute to Jim. Now, you coached Jim at heart. He was your first quarterback ever, and you've been doing this a long time. I've been around it a long time. You see kids sometimes that you could tell, wow, that kid has the it factor. Was it that way with him? Oh, for sure, yeah. I, actually, my brother Rick and I coached his eighth grade basketball team. Um, kind of a long story how we got to do that. But yeah, and then uh, watching him play freshman football at heart, you know, he was a dominating player. And then, um, yeah, like you said, he was my first quarterback I ever coached. I first started coaching the Hart Junior Varsity as offensive coordinator, my brother Rick was the head junior varsity coach. Um, 1984, Jimmy's sophomore year, we thought for sure that he'd be brought up to the varsity to be the varsity quarterback, but the coach kept him down. And uh, you know, selfishly, that was nice for us. And he, like I said, he died. we were 10 and 0. Didn't really have a close game. He was a dominant, dominant player. What did you see early in him, as far as the the competitive nature, the the, the competitive characteristics? those things that he carried with him all the way through his athletic career. Yeah. You know, he was a th three sport athlete in high school, which not many people can do. He played football, basketball, and baseball. And I believe was first team all league in all three. 
um, a really good story, basketball story. Um, uh, Doug Michelson at the Hart Gym, old Hart Gym, as you'd walk from the gym to the locker room, there's a glass, glass like case there that you would put announcements up. And Doug would put the practice free throw shooting statistics of all the players. And Jimmy was the worst shooter, worst free throw shooter in practice. And then, you know, and the opponent's coaches would walk by there with their team in the locker room. And uh, we asked Doug Mike, Doug, like, hey, why would you put that up there so coaches can see it? He goes, I want to because I know I want them to foul Jimmy down the stretch because I know he'll make them. <laughs> so that's the kind of competitor Jim was. And and as a football player, I mean, his his record speaks for itself. You know, 10 and 0s on that sophomore team and then leading a, a very loaded heart team to that 1986 championship as well. Where did you see him grow the most as a player over those years? Yeah, he, um, you know, he played, you know, their, uh, uh, his junior team, junior year team, I think they lost in the finals to Muir in 85. And uh, that team started out, I believe, 03 and one. And he just kind of more or less put his team on his shoulders that the rest of that year. And then the next year they were just, you know, they, uh, had a rough game against Canyon that first game. And there's the biggest crowd I've ever seen at, you know, COC stadium. Um, there are some turnovers by some other guys on the team that, uh, you know, got them behind and uh, they couldn't come back. And then they won their next 13 games and they were just a dominant team. And just watch, I mean, his arm strength was off the charts. Even Troy Aikman admitted at heart that Jimmy had a better arm than he did. <laughs> you know. Pretty high compliment coming from somebody. Then he goes to UCLA, you know, all everything in high school. And, and the career didn't turn out like he planned. But I think from listening to the stories, it, it speaks volumes about the type of person he was. Because, yes, he got caught in between Aikman and Tommy Maddox, two pretty good quarterbacks in UCLA history. But as a teammate and as a person, he, he was so supportive of everybody else, even the walk-ons. Yeah, he, that's just Jimmy. You know, he's a, was a, he was a great leader, just a great person. You know, no one, it didn't matter if you were, you know, you're the custodian at the school or if you're the principal, you're all going to get treated the same by him. And, you know, and at UCLA, I, I'm still, that still upsets me a little bit because I didn't think it was fair that his offense, he had to run those two games he started his junior year were like, had like three tight ends most of the time. And then when when Tommy Maddox got to go in, they were in the shotgun every play, throwing the ball, which was with Jimmy, that would have been just right up his alley. So, yeah, I'm still a little bit bitter about that. But, um, yeah, he handled it great. And um, I was just proud of him because the year before he lost, he had a terrible final scrimmage and lost the job to Brett Johnson. But then they changed offensive coordinators and Homer Smith came back and they opened up the competition again and Jimmy dominated and won it. So that was just, I was just fired up for that, but uh, you know he he hung in there, and then it then didn't work out. But um, you know then he went on to play baseball, and uh, but it was just uh, you know just that first game to see him run out of the field was just the, the the greatest feeling ever. Sometimes I wonder who who gets the bigger chills the the guys that coached, you know the the kids that are running out or the the kid running out himself. Oh, I'm sure the. The parents, the coaches up in the stands you know, are a lot more nervous than uh, than the player is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no yeah. Up there. 
you know, then Jimmy goes into, you know, finishes his career at UCLA and and coaches a little bit here, coaches a little bit there. You know, he was at Alamany, and I know you guys had had many, many conversations about just football and, and how to coach and stuff like that. And and he was such a tremendous coach and, and a person and a leader. And that was echoed on Saturday. What were your conversations like with him? And, and what will you remember most, not only about just the football stuff, but just the the life stuff. Yeah. He, you know, he coached at heart 1992, right out of, right out of UCLA. He was the officer coordinator on the JV team. Then he was, uh, he was up in the press box for me during games. So we got to talk a lot of football and, um, you know, it was a great, it was a fun year for us. We had a tough one in the, our playoff loss, but, um, we were undefeated and lost, got upset by Christina Valley. Um, but, um, then we knew he was going to be moving on, you know, cause he, you know, got married or was getting married, had, you know, uh, and they had a son, you know, James come, Jr. was come, was on the way. And uh, then he went to St. Francis, but we kept, you know, we'd always talk football. And um, he actually, you know, years back, let me come in and put a couple plays in for his, uh, I think when I was at COC, uh, we were doing some new shotgun run game stuff. I came in and helped, put, you know, install it for him there. Um, but it was just, you know, it's just, and then, and then we had to play against each other. You know, 2006, um, he got the, or I got the Alamany job. And we we're in the same league with him. And, you know, we weren't very good. And he, you know, took it to us. But like I say, he was really nice to me. You know, I've called plays since 1984, and I've never been shut out. And we were hadn't scored. And if he would have kept his first string offense, we wouldn't have scored. First string defense, and we wouldn't have scored. But he put his subs in, and we were able to go down and score. So, uh, <laughs> so I think if he would have known that, he probably would have kept his first room in so he could have that over on me. But, uh, but it was just great to see him. You know, went to Alamany. We actually played him in the 1998 uh, CIF semifinals. Where we had Kyle Bowler, and uh, played him there. And it was just tough playing against him because it was, you know, you know, if we lost, then it was tough. But even if we won, you know, a part of me didn't feel real real excited after the games we knew how you know i'm sure how jimmy was hurt yeah and, and it was great seeing i remember some of those games and and talking to people and and i know that when you were at alamania you, you always scrimmage your brothers up here at heart but you never wanted to play them and and there's that just the love and, and the compassion and the respect that that you know a lot of people in the coaching community have for each other and, and that was definitely shown on Saturday. But you guys still – not it wasn't only football. You guys vacationed a lot, played some golf together, True, correct? Oh, there's so many uh, card games, so many Vegas trips. Uh, used to golf all the time. Um, actually won a tournament or two at Blincy Country Club, uh, two-man tournaments. Uh, a lot of Bruce Springsteen concerts, a lot of them. Um, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, once he became coach at St. Francis and I was coached somewhere else, we still, you know, whenever we could. Uh, but, you know, a while back, yeah, we were doing things all the time. Uh, you know, some of my greatest memories, you know, on the golf course. And uh, one of the one of the competitive one of the Jimmy competitor stories, golf, we were playing Sewell Park in Ojai. And he had he had, had me. He was up on me a couple at the turn and. Uh, we got we were at a par five at the eleventh hole, and he hooked his OB right out of bounds. So I'm saying, here's my here's my opening, and I hit a good drive. Uh, he you know re tee so he's hitting three. You know he could hit it a mile, bombs it, 
um, I hit my approach or whatever, and then uh, still had about 100 yards in. He hits his three-wood, puts the ball two inches from the cup, taps in for his par. I three-putt for bogey, and yeah, <laughs> I, lost that, I lost that match. But I just remember looking at him like, golly. He's just got that Jimmy smile, you know, like, like he, you know. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I had planned it all the time. I planned to duck hook it onto the street so you would get a false sense of confidence. Exactly, yeah. Well, Dean, I, I know this was short, and, and I want to talk to a lot of other people, and 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 we're all crushed um, because, you know, Jimmy is such a great guy and, and left such a legacy, not only in the Santa Clarita Valley at, at Hart High School, but at St. Francis as well, but but more importantly, as as a person. And I want to thank you for for taking these few minutes to to spend with me to talk about what a great person he is and, and share those experiences with our listeners. You bet. You bet. Yeah, he's he's a great man. You're really gonna miss him. Yeah. Well, Dean, thank you so much and and we'll be in touch down the road, my friend. Okay. We'll see you later. All right. Thanks. Joining me now is ex-St. Francis High School quarterback, Justin Postuma. Justin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about one of uh, the truly great ones out there, Coach Jim Bonds. Yeah, man, it's really, pleasure is mine. Uh, Coach Bonds is a huge influential figure on my life, and I'm happy to do it. Now, you were the starting quarterback for one year, 2009-2010, and we all know Jim was such a phenomenal quarterback. How did he help you progress as as a quarterback, as a one-year starter, and get you better as the season went on? Well, uh, more than more than any X's and O's, he just um, he just put you know the utmost confidence and faith in me. You know, um, I think obviously he did a great job every week, week in week out with the plan against the other team. But um, there was a few times where. He really put my put the ball in my hands at the end of the game, and uh, I remember our first loss against Sherman Oaks Notre Dame. I, I fumbled it and lost the game, and um, he kind of came to me after the game and just pulled me aside and said, "Hey, uh, you know, obviously that happened, but I just know I'm rocking with you for the whole year." And so he just stood by me through mistakes and through victory, all all one and the same, um, and that you know just gave me the confidence and letting me know that I was his guy and he was going to roll with me no matter what was, uh, was really what made me better on the field. And then obviously having coached the quarterback for so long, he knew the intricacies within the game and um, just made it really easy to play on Friday nights. I mean, that's one thing um, as, as a coach. Now, what you really want is for your players not to go out there and think you want them to go out there and just play. And he made it easy to really easy to do that on Friday nights, just go out there just react to what you're seeing, trust what you're seeing, because we're prepared for it and, uh, you know, made it a lot of fun. Did he ever get mad at you? Oh, yeah, all the time. At least at least once a once a drive is probably putting it pretty good. But but that comes with the territory, you know, so. Yeah, you're the starting quarterback. He was a starting quarterback. He he understood what it was like to be under center or in the shotgun and and the amount of pressure that was on you. But I'm sure that he didn't really put a lot of pressure on you. Like you said, just trust your training, trust your your ability and trust the things that you taught, you were taught. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it would never the moment was never too big just because of how, how he made it seem, you know, we were out there and the atmosphere on Friday nights and locking out at St. Francis are 
second to none. And so um, easy to easy to feel pressure with a few thousand people screaming at you. But, uh, you know, he always he put so much more pressure on us in practice that the games just felt like we were playing. And going back to the mad question, uh, you know, he he always he would get the most mad by t- when he would tell me I need to learn how to slide. And I knew how to slide. I just chose not to. But uh, that's, that was one case where, you know, he'd get upset. And um, but, you know, that's you're always going to have player coach disagreements where one person gets mad at the other, but, uh, but never to, never to where it affected us negatively. It was always, you know, positive. Now you went on to play football in college. You spent some time at UCLA and I believe Pasadena city college. How did his, you know, tutelage and his coaching help you help prepare you and then help you compete at that level? What are the lessons that he taught you? Well, he, uh, he taught me so much. He, the main thing that he would teach me though, is, is you can't just show up and, um, you know, it's not enough just to show up. You gotta be a hundred percent engaged all the time. And, um, you really have to, to master what you're studying, what you're learning to the point to where you can either teach it or innovate upon it. And, um, you know, that was one thing where we really, you know, hit it off on the, at the same on the St. Francis front, just I, I knew the offense so well by my fourth year there that I was kind of going to him with ideas and stuff just within his offense. And so taking that to the next level now, just when I first get to a new place, it was always, OK, I got to dive into this book. So I know it so well that I can teach it. So it's like the back of my hand. And obviously at the quarterback position, the most important thing is the mental part rather than the physical part. And so. Uh, now I didn't have the most successful collegiate career, but uh, but he definitely helped me in my preparation to be able to have success and when I did play. So, and and that's one of the things that I think all great coaches do for for their athletes is whether you're define success at the next level. You got to that level, you competed, and the the way that these coaches, like Coach Bonds and, and many others, help mold you is probably more important than saying, yeah, I, I was first team all pack, whatever, or anything like that. Right. No, hundred percent. And I mean, you know, coach Bonds uh, was, was always more about the bigger picture than he was about wins and losses. And I know you can't really tell that from looking at his, his record and stuff because we won every year and he missed the playoffs one time in 20 years, but um, it, it's just, it's different at St. Francis with him at the helm because we, we didn't do, you know, any recruiting. And this was kind of when all that got started, where schools started recruited, recruiting and really not doing things the right way. And he, uh, and St. Francis wouldn't allow it. And he wasn't about it really. He just, he said, we're going to work with what, who we got and we're going to develop such a strong culture here that, um, we're still going to have success, even if we don't have the, world-class um, Pop Warner players that are coming to our school. And so, you know, we, we maybe had one or two transfers in a time where most schools had anywhere from 10 to 20, but we were so bought in on the culture and we wanted to play for him and play for each other that uh, um, we had success. And so translating that to the next level was just, you know, working with what you got and, um, you know, just, being able to be there for not only your coaches, but your teammates as well. You've been out of high school, I probably 10 years now. What are the lessons that he taught you 
that you remember that you are still using in your professional life right now? Well, pretty easy for me because obviously I'm in coaching now. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I just try to try to really emulate what he stood for and what he did. Um, one thing that I've kind of taken with me from him is that it was never about, it's never about him. Um, you know, he'd always deflect whenever the reporters came and asked him about, you know, how, how are you doing this? How are you winning these games? He'd always deflect, Oh, my staff did a great job. Oh, my players did a great job. And so that's one thing that I've, I've tried to take with me. It's um, as soon as I start coaching for myself or, you know, coaching for personal gain, where that comes at the expense of the players or expense of my staff members, I'm, I'm doing something wrong. And so it was funny, a, a friend of mine um, that I just had the pleasure of coaching the past two years, um, he told me that he was transferring schools and, you know, a lot of coaches would get upset about that because you're, because um, the, because the kid is leaving where you're coaching. And, you know, it, it's funny because it all happened right after shortly after coach Bonds' death and I, you know, immediately thought of him and, you know, what would he say in this situation and this easy answer, just, you got to do what's best for the kid. And the kid told me why he was transferring. And I agreed that those are very good reasons for what he wants to do in his future. And so I told him if I could help him out, I would. And, uh, you know, kind of stole that from coach Bonds where, whereas I probably should have argued and told him, Hey, I want you to come back and play for us. Um, I kind of just said, Hey, I, I see what you're, you know, what you see and, um, you know, I'll help you any way that I can for, for you, because obviously, you know, what you want, you know, what's best for you. And it's all about the player. And, and lastly, before I let you go, uh, Justin, the one, the funniest coach bonds story that you remember from your playing days. Wow. Uh, that's, it's hard to, uh, <laughs> to pinpoint just one, but I, I think I got a good one. So, Every year we'd have a, um, a team barbecue or a, a retreat, I guess, before our first game. And, you know, we're, we're primed and ready to go for the season. And so I forget where, whose house it was at, but we were at a barbecue in, the, in somebody's backyard with a pool and, you know, water slide and the whole nine yards. And uh, so we're out there having a good time and Coach Bonds is inside. And um, all of a sudden – it becomes a, a contest like who can do the craziest dive into the pool, whether it's a backflip or, you know, a gain or whatever kids are just going crazy and it's, it's getting a little bit dangerous. And so um, coach bonds comes out there with just the biggest scowl on his face. Like what the heck are you guys thinking? Somebody could get hurt out here. We got a game in seven days or whatever it was. And so we're all just like, Oh man, course our head coach is going to shut down all the fun and so he, he looks at us all for a second he said I don't want to see another person jump into the pool and then the biggest scowl on his face he turns around um, he's, he's right at the the rim of the of the pool he turns around and he just does a backflip into the pool and coach Bond is a pretty heavy guy so he does a backflip lands it perfectly right in the middle of the pool huge splash and everybody starts going crazy and uh, yeah that's when I knew that we were gonna run through a brick wall for that man so that's that's awesome. And and it just shows the type of personality he had and and the care and the love that he had for everybody that played for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, always about fun and uh he, you know, life of the party everywhere he went. Yeah. Well, Justin, I I want to thank you for taking a a brief amount of time 
out of your day to talk to me about such a remarkable person that had such a positive impact and a huge impact on everybody that that came through that St. Francis program. I appreciate it, Tony. It's uh, really a pleasure is mine. Uh, you know, I miss him, uh, thinking about him all the time, and I uh, appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Thank you very much, Justin. Um, you know, have a, have a great rest of your day, and, you know, Coach Bonds is, is never going to leave us. Appreciate it, man. Take care. All right. Thank you. Joining me right now is another friend of Jim Bonds, longtime Valencia head football coach, Larry Muir. Larry, thanks for taking the time to join me to to talk about somebody that's near and dear to everybody's heart. Uh, most definitely. Um, of course, uh, no doubt. Uh, uh, it's a big void right now. Now, you guys met when you were a walk-on player at UCLA out of Alamany. And Jim was a, a scholarship player out of Hart High School here in, in Newhall. And normally walk-ons get treated, I don't know, let's say like third-class citizens by, I don't know, just about everybody, including the cheerleaders. But but that wasn't the case with the way Jim treated you, was it? Yeah, no. Uh, uh, obviously, I knew of Jim in high school. He was a grade behind me. So I knew uh, of him because, uh, you know, he was – such a bigger than life, uh, high school quarterback. And, um, I had actually gone, uh, through the junior, junior college route to get to UCLA. So he was already there. But when I got there in 89, um, you know, I was, uh, my junior and senior year were at UCLA in 89 and 90 and, and, uh, um, coming in there as an older guy, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm a walk on. And so, not to like it was some kind of you know like you all your walk on all that kind of stuff, but it, um, but but as a walk on, it gets old, you know, you're because you're because you're on scout teams and you're fighting your way through stuff, but the reality is that you're not a scholarship guy, and so you're you know, you're just uh, things are just a little bit different for you, and so um, uh, sometimes it can be hard to make connections with guys and and that kind of thing, but him and it, there was a group of guys that were just just awesome and um. Uh, a guy named John Winnick and, and uh, there's a whole group of guys. Uh, but uh, Jim, since meeting him, and he was a guy that I wanted to meet because of I knew him from the heart days, uh, he was awesome. Like he was always, always first class and genuine and as big as he was and almost like this, you know, kind of superstar quarterback in, in uh, that sort of thing, just genuine. And um and that genuine, um, humble person that he was back in 89 is no difference than he was, you know, uh, till, you know, you know, it just, it's, it's stayed with him his whole life. And so, um, he's always been great and gracious and, and you would never know that he was, you know, just this amazing, uh, high school quarterback and, and, um, yeah, just, uh, I'll never forget that he was, he was first class in, in 1989, and he was first class in 2020, like, and no different. Now, you guys, both of you coaching a long time. He's, he was at St. Francis for 20 years and at Alamany for a, a period, and you've been at Valencia for, for several years. You guys never really – you never scheduled each other, but your first game every year was a scrimmage that you guys had. How did that come about, and why did you guys scrimmage each other? Gosh, you know, it's been so many years now, um, 
But I want to say, if I if I remember correctly, man, I, I think we scrimmaged him when he was at Alamany, and if I remember correctly, and I that he was the only guy we ever scrimmaged with um, uh, when he was at Alamany, and then he went to uh, St. Francis. Um, you know, he and I uh, it was originally with Steinman, and obviously um, we we kind of set it up with Steinman through him and. Uh, but it was so easy because we, I think we looked at it in such the same way that, you, you know, you don't, at the end of the day as a head coach, you don't want your guys to get hurt in a scrimmage. You want to try to get something out of a scrimmage and, and let the guys go a little bit, but at the same time, you're in, you know, you just care. You want your guys to be healthy. And I just remember we always saw it the same way. Like we would call each other uh, every year and um, we would, um, uh, uh, it was an easy conversation because we do it the same way every year. And it was, and it wasn't like any, either, either one of us were looking to do anything different. Um, we always felt comfortable doing it uh, a certain way. And I, I always felt like he got something out of it. We got definitely got something out of it. And so it was mutual and it wasn't never, it was competitive, but it wasn't um, life or death. And it wasn't like, you know, like we're going to like, you know, this is the Super Bowl or something at the same time. It wasn't, at the same time, it wasn't like, oh, hey, let's just kind of chill. And and uh, it was always, you know, physical, it's competitive. But at the same time, it's like, hey, let's get our work in and and we're good, you know. Um, uh, during the scrimmage, you know, he and I always, you know, looking across each other across the field and, hey, are you good? You need this? You know, do you want to see this again? Or do you, uh, uh, you want to do one more kick or, you know, whatever it was? It was always a mutual um, ease to it of – of you felt like you were on the same page and that was, that's what made it always easy. And it was always good. So. It's crazy that, you know, you're so close with an ex heart guy and heart being your biggest rival. Did you ever fear that he would call Rick and Mike and Dean and say, Hey guys, I just got this from Valencia. They ran it against us. You better look out for it. You know what? Um, he and I never, we never talked about it. We never, um, and that was the great thing about Jim is that um, obviously I know I knew his relationship with the Harringtons and I knew his roots are are there and all that kind of stuff and I, I felt like I was always respectful of it uh, because at the end of, end of the line you knew, you knew, understood that's you know that was that was home to him um, but I, I I felt like it was always um, where we didn't have to go there because I felt like it was him and me. Um, and, and I think, I feel like that's the great thing about Jim was that he made you feel like, you know, um, this is a, a you and me thing that we're, we're doing this and it's, um, we can both feel good about it. Um, there was never a sense that I always felt like, Oh shoot, you know, is the, is the film going to get, you know, somewhere else or this or that. And, 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 and it was just, um, I, it's hard to explain other than um, I always felt comfortable and I always felt good that it was, it was me and him doing this thing and I didn't have to worry about anything else. I don't know why, but um, again, I just feel like that was just part of who he is and what he's about. Well, I think the, the why is because uh, he was so respectful of, of everybody and knew that, you know, this is just between two teams and two teams are going to learn from this and get better from it. And we're just going to move on. And, and from everybody I've talked to and from the service we were both at Saturday, uh, it, it just seems that that was the epitome of Jim Bonds. 
no doubt, uh, no doubt. That's that you, that you're exactly right. You worded it way better than I did. That that's the epitome of who he was. Of he's so respectful of the other people, and he, um, you know, as humble was always so humble towards what he was doing. But he, man, he put a competitive, uh, hard nosed, you know, St. Francis football team on the on the field every year. Uh, and they were well coached and everything else. So, um, yeah, no doubt about it. Um, that, that layer of respect. And I think that just becomes from what a first-class human being he always was. Yeah, and, you know, you talk, you look at the private schools and all the recruiting that they do, and, and St. Francis never, ever did that. They they were just kids that, you know, family guys, legacy guys, and and they weren't always the biggest or the fastest. They were just a bunch of – you know, 5'11", 200-pound kids that ran around and hit you and, and played really, really good football. And that was definitely because of Jim and the staff that he's had around him for 20 years. There's no doubt that the staff that he developed there, they they did a phenomenal job. They, um, they're they so well coached. Um, and, um, you know, uh, they – I feel like they that staff really developed and got um, – such a great chemistry together and you could see it like, you know, like at the, at the service there, you could just kind of see it. And, and, um, in like some of those pictures and the guys talking about it and stuff that they had a great chemistry and a great uh, mutual respect for each other. And, and, and they had them performing at a high, high level. Um, and, uh, so you knew what you were getting into when you play St. Francis, that they were going to be really well coached. They're going to be disciplined. Um, they're not going to make mistakes. You're going to have to kind of, uh, you're going to have to play, you know, really level. Uh, you're going to have to play really at a high level yourself to uh, to beat them. You're going to have to beat them. They're not going to beat themselves. Yeah, and and it's it's a shame that you guys aren't going to, you know, be able to stand across the sidelines from each other anymore. He was a, a tremendous human being, and I know that your relationship with him was was a special one going going back several several years, Larry. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. I, I appreciate it. Um, funny story about Jim that you want to share? Um, funny story about Jim. I'm trying to think of a, a funny story that I would have on Jim. Um, <laughs> you might not have to a- ask my uh, old wife on that one. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, because uh, she uh, she had him in uh, what, what class was it, Pam? History. U.S. history class. She had a uh, had him in in her U.S. history class at heart. Um, but I don't, I don't know if I have a funny story about Jim. I'm trying to think, um, uh, gosh, I don't really don't have a, uh, well, I don't mean to, I don't mean to make you think too much. I don't want you to hurt your brain or anything. Yeah, I know my brain. Exactly. You're, you're yeah, doing that I, I know how that goes. I, that's why I don't think a lot anyway. Um, no, I'm with you, but Larry, thank I, you so much for taking the time to do this. I, I really appreciate it. Um, Jim's truly one of the great ones, and, and he is going to be missed by by a lot of people throughout the CIF Southern Section football community. No doubt. Like, uh, you know, my my thoughts and prayers go out to his family and and uh, and all his uh, the people and his players and the program, his coaches. And, um, you know, uh, it's definitely I cannot I can't imagine the the void in the. Um, because he's so, always such a guy that was full of life and and um, had that smile and that uh, the laugh and everything that uh, you know you want to be around him and and um, um, 
I just, uh, I can't imagine the pain that they're, that they're all going through. And I just, um, um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm, I'm still, you know, struggling and, and just thinking about it just kind of, uh, drives me crazy, but, uh, but I appreciate you having me and, uh, um, yeah. We will, we will definitely catch up soon, man. Stay safe and say hi to your wonderful wife. Will do. Thank you. All right, Larry. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. I'm now joined by longtime head football coach, Casey Clausen. Casey was the head football coach at Calabasas. He is now at Alamany and he played for Jim Bonds and has got some wonderful things to say about coach Bonds. Hey, thanks for joining me, Case. No problem. Thanks for having me. What was it like playing for him? You played for him from 97 to 2000. Yes, sir. Uh, it was the best. You know, Coach Bonds, uh, my guy, he's the reason I um, you know, ended up going to Alamany. Uh, he's the reason, obviously, for my development, my three years you know, at Alamany. Not so much just the football, which most people um, that don't know him personally know him about the football coach. But to me, you know, he was a mentor. Um, he was someone that obviously learned so much about life. Um, I'm a better person, husband, father, coach, just think overall friend because of him. And he just had so many examples for me and obviously the rest of the guys he's coached, not only in Alamany, but obviously over at St. Francis and, uh, it'll be dearly missed. And, um, you know, was my guy. Did he ever say anything to you back then when you were a young kid and, and you look at him and think, I, I have no idea what that means. But later on in your playing and your coaching career, you look back and thought, wait a minute, the light bulb went on, and it was like, oh, that's what he meant by that. So our first year there, he's a brand-new head coach at Alamany. I'm a brand-new uh, student at Alamany playing you know, quarterback. The first ever nationally televised game was Alamany School at Notre Dame. Uh, we're playing Justin Vargas and Coach Rooney, and they were probably top 20, 25 team in the country back then. He, he goes, how, how, how do you feel? I said, I said, great. And I go, how, how do you feel? He says, fantastic. And knowing that I was hoping just to put my helmet on the right way and call the right play, and honestly, I'm sure he was pretty uh, nervous uh, making his first uh, head coaching debut. But he just told all of us, and probably the best thing I learned from him was just to do the best you can, live life um, every day uh, to the fullest. And do it with class and respect. If there's one word that I think everyone could agree upon with Coach Bond, there's many words. It's class. Win with class. Lose with class. No matter what the outcome of the day is. No matter what the outcome. If you are an athlete, the score is on the scoreboard. Line up on the 50-yard line. Helmets on. Win or lose with class. And I think just the way in which he handled everything from A to Z as a human being. But obviously as running a program. Um, I still use those things today with my kids in my program right now. As a quarterback at Alamany, and then you went on to the University of Tennessee, what were some things that he taught you from his quarterback days playing at UCLA that you took with you to college? Most important play is the next play. Um, you can start the game and have your first five passes be interceptions. What, what, what are you going to do to bounce back? How are you going to, how are you going to react to adversity? And I think um, just the way in which he's pretty even-keeled coach, sometimes he gets a little animated. Uh, I feel I'm pretty you know, even-keeled as a player and now as, as a coach. And just to have uh, the most important play be 
the next one, regardless, you're going to have ups and downs, highs and lows, etc. But just to make sure that, uh, you know, you play uh, every play the best of your ability. And the most important play is the next one. And as a quarterback, the Alameda High School back in 1997, 98, 99, or Tennessee or anywhere, um, you know, all eyes are on you and the way in which you handle yourself both on the field as well as off the field will set the tempo and the example not only for, you know, your teammates, but obviously a lot of times for the school, whether it's a high school uh, or, or your college university. You know, the quarterback and the head coach are kind of the faces of uh, most high schools, universities, uh, you know, in, in California. Yeah, and I, I've been around your program for several years when you were at Calabasas and when you were at Alamany, and, and I've covered some wins and I've covered some losses, and and you are absolutely correct. Your kids do it with class. Your program does it with class. And, and that's all because, you know, you learn from one of the best out there. Absolutely. Um, you know, Coach Bond set the example. He was unique because he obviously played the position. He had success at the position at the high school level, at the college level. And then obviously when he got back into coaching, I think the really unique thing and cool thing about him is he can relate to any type of kid. So 20 years ago at Alameda High School, it's almost the same demographic as it is in 2020. You got the local San Fernando Valley kid. You got the local Santa Clarita kid. You got the Pasadena kid, the, the uh, Palmdale kid, and the kid in Jimmy Valley. And fast forward 20 years to today, the way in which he handled all of us um, in different aspects, different upbringings, different backgrounds, etc. To me, I think, uh, you know, says it all about him and the way in which he dealt with us on a personal level as well as on the coaching um, is, you know, just tremendous. And uh, it's a huge loss. Obviously, my heart and, uh, you know, prayers go out to obviously Trish, Katie, and, uh, you know, James, and obviously his brother Tommy. Um, you know, we dearly miss, but as I said earlier to some other people, uh, the best way in which we can uh, honor him is to coach and develop and teach our kids the same way in which um, he did when he was coaching. And uh, no matter what the outcome was, he always put the betterment of the kid first. And I think that's an awesome trick that he always had. Hopefully we as coaches can continue that. Yeah, and, and even at the service on Saturday, everybody echoed those things, whether it was Father Tony from St. Francis, his own children, or, or anybody that spoke on his behalf. And, and Casey, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this. Um, he will definitely be missed in the football community by by not only everybody at St. Francis, but you know, you guys as coaches and, and us as broadcasters as well. He was one of a kind. He was a straight shooter. Uh, what you saw is what you get. Well respected by everyone. Not only, I think, in the high school coaching arena or the college coaching arena, but I just think across uh, Southern California and across the country. Um, he was a great guy. He was my man, my mentor, and um, was uh, deeply uh, missed him a lot. Yeah, we all will. And Casey, thank thank you once again for taking the time to do this, and and hopefully our paths cross. Hopefully, you know, we can get these kids out on the football field, get them banging some heads on each other, and and have a season this year. I hope so. Thanks a lot, Tony. All right. Joining me now is senior wide receiver from St. Francis High School, Bryson Reeves. And Bryson, thank you for taking the time to talk about somebody that was very influential in your life. Uh, it is absolutely my pleasure, especially because of who it was. Uh, it, I will never kind of 
be scared to share what he did for me and the impact he had on me. And why don't you share that with us, the, the impact that he did have on you? Me and Bond's relationship, it was, you know, it was special because like he knew things about me that, you know, I, you don't, you don't think you would tell an adult, especially one who has the power over your life to, you know, get you out of school, give you detention, do all these other things. But he, he really kind of, he had the impact on me to make me want to be the best person I could. He made me want to do things the St. Francis way, the right way. And, you know, when I, when I wouldn't, when I would, you know, when I would wear like a pink towel at practice, cause I knew, a, I knew someone was going to be watching me. So I wanted to look what cute or whatever. Uh, he would make me push the bag the same way if any other player was late or if any other player did the same thing. And no coach especially has ever treated me like that because of the athlete that I am, I I guess. And the fact that he did that and he slowly but surely instilled all of the all of the want to do what's right because he knew I had it in my head, like the knowledge to do what was right. But he just kind of impacted me in the want to do what's right, the want to be the good husband, good father, good coach, good person, good friend, good everything. I, it was always a hundred percent from him, and that's kind of what I what I have to live on, because you know I don't want to be a disappointment to somebody who can't see me change. And and even though you you are a senior and you're you're a team leader and everything, he treated you just the same way that he treated everybody else. And from everybody I've talked to and everybody that spoke at the service on that Saturday. That's just the way Coach Bonds was. It's everybody gets treated the same, no matter who you are. Exactly. It was, it was special about him because it brought that genuinity from him. It truly gave him that genuinity that other coaches lacked, other programs lacked. Because every single person that he came encounter with and that he came across, that he had the that had the pleasure of being coached by him would be treated like any one of his players to ever be under coach Bonds. And it was up to the player to decide whether they took that as disrespect or as the biggest sign of respect you can take, you can give. And I think for a lot of people that, you know, when you look at a lot of programs and a lot of coaches, the, the star players get a little bit of preferential treatment. And I think that's one of the great things about coach Bonds is he just treated everybody no matter who it was, you know, you were, you were part of his circle. You were a friend of his, no matter what. Definitely. Like I, I can never actually look at it different than that. Like he was a coach, he was a mentor, but he was truly a friend of mine. Like he was somebody that I could text if I just had a bad hour, if I needed to eat. He's somebody that was that was constantly there for people, his players, his his coaches, his friends, his colleagues, and and everybody. He was, constant, he was constantly a hundred percent. Coach Bonds was constantly hundred percent. Even when he was fighting through cancer last season and he was battling it, like and you can tell that he was he was weakened and he was drained and he was tired. It didn't matter. He gave a hundred percent. It just because he knew that was the right thing to do. That's how you be a man. It's you have to give a hundred percent, no matter how you feel. Now you guys have not been back to the practice field yet. 
How has the the team, the coaching staff, and the community? How have you guys been doing so far? Um, I, every everybody beyond the team, beyond like administration, all teachers. I I went to go get pizza the other day, and I was wearing a St. Francis mask, and I was in La Cañada, and I had a 25, 30-minute conversation with the person who worked at George's about it. And that that's special because that just shows that the impact he had on you, the impact that the impact you shared with him, it wasn't just isolated you could talk about it you can share that with the community and the community can share that with you and it brings feelings of peace because this it shows the just incredible incredible life he lived this may be a difficult question and and we spoke about it before we went we started recording but how do you guys plan to move forward when you get back out on the field um, I, I can't speak to a definite plan because we haven't been back at practice and we haven't fully had that meeting yet, but what I hope for and what I, what I want is it to be left in the hands of us. And by us, I mean the players, like I can think of a good five, six, seven, eight, that definitely will step up and take the role of accountability, accountability tracker, a moral giver the tradition keeper, the everything that Coach Bonds loved about St. Francis program, everything that made it different, I hope it's left up to the kids to keep that up because I definitely want that responsibility to keep his legacy going because it was what made St. Francis football what it is. It's what kept us all from transferring. It's what Bonds is really what what he brought to the program is what made the program. It's what made the athletes in the program. It's what made the people that left the program. And I hope that and, they try to give that to us. And those that came before and those that, that will come after the tradition of St. Francis High School football will will definitely live and, and carry on, you know, into the future many years from now. Um, and, and you are part of that. And and our thoughts and our prayers are with, you know, the entire community, the entire team. Um, and we wish, hope nothing but the best from you guys, for you guys moving forward. And, you know, stay strong, stay with each other. And, and Bryson, thank you so much. I know this was difficult, but thank you so much for, for taking a few minutes out of your day to talk about somebody that meant so much to you. Of course. And thank you for thinking of me when thinking of Coach Bonds because – uh, the impact he had on me, I did not want to be one way because I, I, you know, I couldn't impact him the same way he impacted me, but I felt like I did give him something back because I, you know, I can't have a single way relationship like that. Just solo mentor it, especially with bonds and the way we had a friendship, he wouldn't let that happen either. So thank you for thinking of me. Cause that just, it gives me a little bit of, happiness and thinking about it well I'm, I'm glad i could help you with that and uh you know best of luck moving forward and and i would love to stay in touch with you and i i hope you know for everybody's sake we have a season this year and and we can get out and and i can see you guys play at, at that wonderful stadium you guys have which is one of, is my favorite place in all of high school football yeah it's a special place to be you can feel it when you walk in 
Yeah, and his spirit will be there for forever. His spirit will forever change what the word St. Francis football means. St. Francis football now means the legacy bonds left. Fantastic, Bryson. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, get back out on that field. And, and you know, you guys just get back at it for, and, and for, for Coach Bonds. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you. Joining me now is somebody that has been by Coach Jim Bonds' side for the better part of 20 years. He's uh, had two sons go through the St. Francis program. He's been a, a coach there, obviously. He's been a parent, and he's just been on the inside and has been with Coach Bonds for a very, very long time. Pat Carroll, thank you for taking the time to join me. My pleasure, Tony. 20 years with Coach Bonds, man. That's that's a, a long time, and your staff has been together, too. And that's got to be a tribute to the kind of person he was. Oh, indeed it is. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know, but two of the folks on the staff, Joe Menares and Mark Gibbons, have been with Coach Bonds since day one, and even when he was assistant there with Bill Riddell. And then most of us on the varsity staff have been there more than 10 years. And, you know, I think our, our rookies are at five or six years. So Jim has really built a, a great continuity in the program and, and led it with um, all the things that make Coach Bonds great, but certainly camaraderie is the way he liked to think of our staff and, and um, you know, everyone got along very well. We didn't always agree, but uh, at the end it was, you know, it was a friendship and a, and a great bond that all of us shared. And it was certainly spearheaded by Jimmy. And one of the things that people talked about at the service on that Saturday, we were all there was just the type of person he was no ego, no, look at me, didn't take credit for anything. It was always about the kids. And that's what made him special as well. Oh, indeed. And, and the, the, the wonderful thing about Jim, and as you mentioned, I've kind of seen it from the inside for 15 years at the, on the staff and as a parent. Um, it didn't matter uh, what kind of player you were. Everyone to Jim was the same. There's no star system at St. Francis. He treated everyone with great respect. Um, you know, he was passionate about his job. He asked the boys to, to work hard. Um, he asked them to be selfless and to, to try their best no matter who we played. And in the end, you watch all these boys come back and he was not just a great mentor for them, but they have a, have a, a bond with him and consider him as, you know, their friend. And it's, it's pretty neat. And you could see it Saturday at the service. There was, you know, some former players there and, you know, how, emotional they were with with uh, Jim's passing and I think everyone's who had the opportunity to, to coach and play for Jimmy whether it's St. Francis or Alamany uh, just cherishes the, the time together yeah and you had two sons play for him and both went on to play in college one at UNLV one at San Diego State how was it the relationship that you guys had you as a coach and you as a parent with Jim. And I'm sure the answer to the question is it really didn't matter who the kids were. It didn't. Uh, I, I was lucky with my older son. He played the offensive line, so I didn't really have to coach him. Uh, my younger son, John, who played um, tight end and, and linebacker, I did have to coach him, but it was, it was actually fine. Um, I think, you know, Jim doesn't love having guys on the staff to coach their kids. Um, but that's that's the reality, and, and we've had many of the of our staff have had boys come through, 
fortunately for all of us, we're able to separate being a coach and being a dad. And there's no, there's never an issue where, you know, you had to, to, to sit in a meeting room and discuss your, your son as a father. Everything was about being a coach. So it, it worked out very well. I was lucky, you know, I, I got to know Jim on and off the field. Um, he became a very close um, person in both my boys' lives. Uh, Jim was always so kind to them, and he, you know, went to several practices and games at both UNLV and San Diego State. He was very interested in, in uh, you know, them pursuing their um, next chapter in sports. But he was like that with all of our players. He, you know, he certainly couldn't go everywhere they went, but he always took great interest in he was uh, Sundays when we get together as a staff, he was always uh, wanting to talk about our former players, whether it was guys like Greg Dulcich or Ty Ganji or um, Daniel Scott, um, you know, the few that come to mind, but there's, there's certainly a lot of others uh, certainly took a lot of pride in, in our, in our young men moving on and playing at the next level. Yeah. And you're not the only father that had sons play for him. I mean, the, the the list goes on. Mike Kane had two sons, Doyle and Mikey, play for him. Chris Barkley had Sean and Tyler play for him. It's it's just a huge family atmosphere there, and that's what I think what makes you know the all boys Catholic schools so special. Oh, it, without a doubt, um, yeah. And there's and there's several others. Mark and Joe and Bill both had sons come through, and I'm I'm, I'm probably missing a couple others, but it is it's it's a it's just it's unique, and you know Jim says it all the time. Uh, I think when he speaks to the kids and to the parents and, and to prospects that are looking at St. Francis, he says, we're not better than anyone else. We're just different. And it's hard to explain the difference until you've been on campus and been around it or been at practice or been in a team meeting with Coach Bonds or been after a game, a, a great win or a, or a really tough loss. Um, he, he just was a unique individual who had a had a spirit about him that that uh, um, people just gravitated to, adults and, and, of course, the young men. Well, I tell you what, as a broadcaster, it was always a pleasure to to call Coach Bonds and, and talk to him, and he, he opened up his program, and he was readily available. And you talk about the spirit that he had, but he also had a sense of humor, which which was very, I, I, I don't know the correct word, but he was a funny guy. And, and you told a story Saturday at the service that had just about everybody rolling out of their chairs. Yeah. Jim did have a good sense of humor. And in my, in my remarks on Saturday at the celebration in life for him, one of the things I said is what I will miss the most about Jim. And I think everyone who's been around him will miss is his, like I said, his infectious laugh. Um, he had a great sense of humor, uh, 99% of the time, you know, there's the one, 1% of the days where he was all business, but mostly he was a, was a guy who really enjoyed life and, and loved to laugh. And the story I told uh, is one that he and I had visited about um, recently before his passing. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll share it with the group. Please do. Uh, so we were over at, in Las Vegas for a, for a coaching clinic with the, the entire staff. Uh, varsity JV and freshman and Jim and I stayed an extra day so I could go to dinner with my son and uh, with Jimmy and another former player of ours at St. Francis Ryan McAleenan who was the starting uh, middle linebacker at UNLV 
So they came over to the the boys and they lived together, Ryan and Patrick. They came to the to our hotel and we had um, a couple beers and then headed out to dinner. And, and Jimmy said, I'll take care of the lift for us. So we got downstairs and we walked to the aisle where the where the you know Lyft and Uber drivers are. And there's a, uh, as I said, a, a Hyundai, which had to be the smallest car in their fleet. And I looked over at, at uh, Coach Bonds, you know, incredulously with the, uh, how is this going to work? We're, you know, pretty big guys. And for those of you who know Coach Bonds, you know, he was, had pretty good girth. And I say that with all due respect, he would, he certainly uh, knew that and, and joked about it as well. And I'm not the smallest guy in the world. Ryan was a big strapping guy and my son was an offensive lineman at UNLV. So pretty, four pretty big guys to get in a small car. And uh, my son took the front seat and uh, I got in behind him and kind of was wedged into the back seat and quickly rolled down my window so I could lean out of the car. So as Ryan got into the middle and Jim was going to make his way in, there'd be some room. So then Ryan gets in and it's already tight with just two of us in the back seat. And he sits up to the front edge of the uh, of the back seat, almost with his face between my son and the, and the driver. And then Coach Bonds gets in or attempts to get in. He's sitting there and he starts trying to shut the door. And and every time the, the door wouldn't latch. So Ryan kept having to maneuver himself up and over. And finally, Jimmy was able to get the door shut. And he, he exclaims, I got it. And uh, we start to pull away. And the, the Uber driver, the Lyft driver, is staring at him in the, in the rearview mirror. And we get to the, the first stoplight. And the Uber driver says to, to Jim, you know that we have a Lyft XL for six people or more. And Jimmy, very straight-faced and stoically, says, said back to the driver, but there are only four of us. <laughs> and the, the, the driver just went crazy. He was laughing and you know, hitting the steering wheel. And that was just the, the, the sense of humor he had. And that was, just, you know, that happened a few years ago, but it, it tickled Jimmy because he made the driver laugh so hard and he made all of us in the car laugh so hard. And um, that, that really was part of the spirit of, of Coach Bonds. And it, what a great story that was. And, and you just had people just just laughing. And, and like you said, it was a celebration of life. And, and that's what I hope to bring uh, from having several of you guys on to talk about uh, Coach Bonds and, and the type of person that he was and, and the impact that he left on just about everybody that came into contact with him and, and what a positive impact it was. Pat, I thank you so much for, you know, taking the, these 10 minutes out of your day um, to share your experience with somebody that will definitely be missed, not only in the football community, but at this, in the St. Francis community as well. Well, I appreciate it. And thanks for helping us uh, relive um, the great Jim Bonds. His, his memory for all of us will last our lifetimes. Thank you, Tony. All right, Pat. Thank you so much, man. Have a great day. You too. I would like to thank everyone who took the time to share their memories and stories about Coach Bonds. He was truly one of a kind. Our prayers go out to his wife, Tricia, daughter, Katie, son, James, as well as the rest of the Bonds family. Our thoughts and prayers also go out to the entire St. Francis community, students, staff, faculty, and football team. Jim will definitely be missed by all. Rest easy, my friend, and stay bonds strong.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.